I'm Mike. I'm Grant. <laughs> hey, 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 Grant. I'm on a boat. Aren't we going to do witty banter like last time, Mike? Grant, I'm on a boat. No time for pop culture references, Mike. We've got ships to build. I'll figure out what a keel is so we can make it here in the MacGuffin Factory. Welcome to the MacGuffin Factory. I'm Grant. And I'm Mike. And this is our podcast that we do once a month courtesy of Inroads Ministries, to get uh, you thinking about different MacGuffins and other plot ideas, a source for writers and gamers and anybody else involved in creating stories. It's going to be that opportunity to give you the little seeds of where stories can start from, whether you use this to play in whatever setting you're making in a role-playing game or really just doing something for fun. We wanted to give you that, that place where you can jump off and create something awesome. Exactly. So, for those of you unfamiliar with the concept of a MacGuffin, real quick, basically, the MacGuffin is any object which a plot revolves around. Classic example, Maltese Falcon. It's pretty much the definitive MacGuffin. Exactly. A note for our first-time listeners, if you hear something that gets you thinking, gets you following a train of thought to, you know, your own story, stop what you're doing safely if you're driving, pause this podcast, follow it, write it down, don't let that moment pass. We are here to inspire you, so if you get inspired, take advantage of it. I can't tell you how many times I've thought of something while listening to a podcast, kept listening, completely lost it. Yeah, and, and we don't want to see that happen, especially because we've already had, we've only had one episode before this, and we've already had a couple people uh, send in different things, different ideas that sparked. One dude even sent a story. Thanks, Mike, for sending that in. That was awesome. I haven't even gotten that to Grant yet. That's how cool this is. I'm, I'm like hoarding it. Yeah, you're holding out on me, Mike. Come on. I, I am. We did get sent a full story, and it's really neat. It's really, really kind of creepy, but really neat. Awesome. All right, so as punishment for holding out on me here for uh, this story, you have gotten the MacGuffin Factory on iTunes, right? It is on iTunes. You'll be able to find it. uh, You'll also be able to find it on inroadsministries.com. That's I-N-N, roadsministries.com. It's under our podcast banner, so you'll be able to find that there and on iTunes to get it however it is that you listen to podcasts. Excellent. All right, let's get into this before we spend too much more time on news, shall we? Hey, Grant, we're talking about boats. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we are. You know my dad built a boat? Really? Yeah, he built his own uh, racing sailboat when he was in high school and college. You know, that is that is not the kind of thing that you, you normally think about when you think about stuff your dad did. No, not really. He lived on Pensacola Sound, and he had water right there. Nice. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, that boat got lost in our backyard, so, you know. So, so it's oddly fitting. <laughs> yeah, because we're talking about lost ships and lost vessels today. First one, and this is something I thought up. This is kind of the classic one, right? The treasure ship, the lost treasure ship. Now, mm-hmm. when you're talking about a treasure ship, usually the ship itself is the MacGuffin, because once you have found the ship, the story of finding the treasure on that ship is mostly incidental. If there is something special about the treasure, maybe that is your MacGuffin rather than the ship. But in any classic adventure story, you know, your pulp adventure, your modern Clive Cusser, uh, Clive Cussler kind of thriller, uh, hard sci-fi, space opera, whatever, you're, you're finding the ship because it's got money on it. You're not getting to the ship and then searching for the money, usually. 
you know ahead of time what you're going to that ship for. Right. The money is almost a postscript. And I'm saying money here because treasure is typically, we're going to be rich, right? Um, In some way, shape, or form. Right. Could be something special about it that isn't, you know, raw material wealth. But, hey, you know, that's for you to decide. All right. My first one, uh, I'm not going to lie, I, I was pulling from all sorts of different places to get kind of get the, the mind firing. And so one, I remember there was one episode of the epic anime that is Cowboy Bebop. And I remember there was one time when they had to, uh, they were fighting against these guys, these bandits that could basically lock down all the electronics in their ship. They had no way to, to get everything together, so they needed to go old school. So they ended up finding an old NASA space shuttle. And I remember that, that was so cool. I was looking at it, and I was I was just watching as this these super high-tech spaceships are fighting, and all of a sudden they bring in this NASA space shuttle just to save the day. And so I thought about the idea with so many you know space programs popping up and Elon Musk doing his thing and NASA struggling to get funding. I said, what would happen if some amazing, out-of-nowhere enemy comes from the stars, parts the heavens, and just comes in and is about to threaten all of Earth, but the only thing we have left to fight it is this decommissioned prototype? Yeah. Of a space program that never got off the ground. They had one ship. It was it, it was going to be like the, the greatest thing ever. But it just kind of got forgotten because the company folded. Yeah. So it just had this idea of this mothballed spaceship out in a hangar. And you got to find out where it is and how to fly it. Yeah, and you can take that in a lot of different directions. Because we're talking about lost ships. Lost does not mean misplaced necessarily. It can just mean forgotten about. Left right. to rot somewhere you know maybe it's so old like that cowboy bebop episode that it's suddenly new again right it's the thing you've got because it meets the needs because of some weird situation you're in or maybe it's you know new and advanced but for whatever reason people couldn't do anything with it at the time um you know i like the idea that you need to get there because it works well as kind of an intermediate goal right? right you know your first MacGuffin is getting there. The second one is getting it flying. And the third one is using what it needs. And I'm saying flying here because when I think space, and maybe it's because I'm working on a space sci-fi game right now, I'm thinking spaceships, but this works great for ships, you know, your classic warships or anything like that, anything ocean going, because there is a lot of fascinating development of ocean going technology as well that could easily serve a purpose like this yeah you're gonna find that a lot of these when we talk about ships there's even one of mine that i even said that depending on the the setting that you put it in it would work equally well for a seafaring vessel an airship or out in space some of these work well for airplanes whatever yeah yep all right so my next one getting back to kind of your traditional lost ship kind of thing is a lost ship full of colonists in this case what we're talking about is a well-known lost ship because it's known for the presumed loss of life and disappearance of all of these people who were going somewhere to set up life in a new land, whether that be across the ocean or across the stars or what have you. Um, This could well be a case where finding the ship is just answering the question of what happened. 
It could be that when you find the ship, you find the colonists, or you find whatever took the colonists, or what have you. But that the idea of a ship full of people who, you know, are hopeful and setting out for something exciting to get started, and then it goes away, it's a the kind of tragedy that can shape a setting and finding that MacGuffin that has shaped that setting is a great thing to hang a number of plots around. Uh, the next one I brought was just, it, it took a lot of the old concepts of there being a sacrifice and that that sacrifice needed to be sent away, whether it's to a foreign power or to some epic mythical beast, that there was a, a ship that would be sent out with some form of tribute. And as long as that tribute arrived safely, then the city was safe and no one had any worries and everything was great. Well, I had this idea of what would happen if you, you know, they send out the ship like they always do, but instead of having that ship return empty and, you know, with promises of peace for the new year, suddenly there's either either the monster itself, if you're going with that way, or, or some representative of a foreign power at your gate saying, we never received tribute. You have x amount of time to deliver or we burn this city to the ground yep and this is an old one goes back to legends of perseus Mm -hmm. you know a more modern take on that uh without a ship necessarily but uh the idea of tribute going missing you have seven samurai to a certain degree and something as simple as the opening sequence or the the first scene in ants or uh, not ants. Oh, uh, yeah. a, bu- a bug's life. A bug's right? life. Yeah. You know they're they're setting out the tribute. The tribute gets destroyed, and now, oh, it's on. You know yep. the loss. The loss when you're shaking up kind of this exploitative economic system, or you know what have you. All of a sudden, things get interesting. Yeah. the The reason I thought this would work particularly good with a lost ship kind of MacGuffin is the fact that you can't do detective work. To figure out where it went. Right. You gotta go find it. You have to literally go out and look for it because you can't follow tracks when you're dealing with the water or the sky. Yeah. You may be able to go island to island, asteroid to asteroid, what have you, and, you know, say, have you seen this? Have you seen this? You know, has anybody in dock seen it in passing? But you're not going to follow the trail directly. If you were to use this in a game setting, that literally provides you several different locations to put any sort of different uh, plot point you want, all in the pursuit of finding this ship, which would eventually lead to probably either the penultimate goal of finding it and discovering what the issue was, or even the ultimate goal of of bringing it back, or deciding to just say, screw it, and we're going to go conquer whatever's trying to attack us. Yep. I'd mentioned before that finding a ship, you know, because of the wealth aboard was a great and classic example. Mm-hmm. Another example of a lost ship that you're that multiple people are trying to find is a famous ship that has disappeared where the fact that it disappeared is what kind of makes it famous. The most famous example of this, Amelia Earhart's Electra, mm-hmm. lost in the Pacific when she attempted to fly around the world. The race to solve a mystery like that is exciting. There's all sorts of, you know, pulpy thrillers written about that sort of thing and the ship itself and the per the people aboard that ship can take on a life of their own in a story because 
there's so much myth that gets built up about them and people guessing about them. And if you can bring that in, you know, all these crazy ideas that people might have about where this thing is, it helps develop a world around this MacGuffin, even when your protagonists and antagonists are nowhere near it. Well, you can even also develop a kind of a double lost effect here, because not only do you have the lost ship, but you, you bring up Amelia Earhart. Amelia Earhart, how long was it before they decided, okay, we found, we finally found a scrap that may have been part of her ship? Yeah, exactly. And it was a very long time before they declared her dead. Right. And so not only do you have the the legend being built around the fact that it was lost, but then you have this, this lull period where people start forgetting and all of a sudden, boom, you have one thing that shoots everybody back in. They're back in the story. They're back looking for things. And you have all that time passing where where there's no interaction. And what do they mm-hmm. find that changed? What has, has happened in the right. interim? And what clues have disappeared in the interim? Exactly. Yep. All right, your next one. All right, I, I'm I'm particularly fa- like we were talking about this uh, before we even got talking about the show, and and it, it we did it for the next show as well. But every once in a while, we come up with these ones, and, and we have to hold ourselves back because we don't want to write this story ourselves. <laughs> Our goal is to give well, stuff not for before you. recording the episode, not before we give it to you guys. We want to give it to you guys, and then maybe we'll tackle it. This one, I have no idea what I'd do with it, but I want to do something with this. Um, I had the idea, I think it particularly works with really kind of Eddie setting. I I envision it kind of a sci-fi setting, but it really does work anywhere. Um, I have this idea of a salvage crew. The kind of people who just go around finding dilapidated ships, finding junk, and just trying to to scavenge and scrounge whatever little pieces they can get to to bring back to wherever their home base is and sell for parts. Well, I had this idea of they come across this dilapidated ship, but the second they enter it, everything's working. Everything's beautiful. Everything's like it was never ruined. And the crew is there. You step outside, it's this ruined hulk of a, of a nothing. And even look in the windows and it appears empty, but the second you walk in, everything is gorgeous and everything's like nothing ever happened. Works especially well as a ghost story. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, I, that's a good one. Uh, since you're talking sci-fi, mm-hmm. you can have a variant on that where the ship thinks it's functioning, and the, the you know robotic crew thinks it's functioning. Douglas Adams mm-hmm. had something like this. He had a, a quick aside in his Hitchhikers series about a ship that was waiting for uh, lemon-scented napkins for thousands of years while the, the passengers were kept in stasis. Right. You know, uh, and, you know, the, sh- the ship's just like, nope, we're just waiting for a society to develop that can generate lemon-scented napkins so we can be on our way. It'll take tens of thousands of years for that society to either come out here or millions of years for one to evolve, but it'll happen eventually. We can <laughs> wait. You know, you have something that has run off the rails so far, but is presenting this idea of perfectly normal. Yeah. Yeah. Everything isn't ruined. It's exactly how it's supposed to be. Right. Um, That also might be a good idea to um, have it turn on them, right? That's inevitable. Yeah, of course. 
uh, and then if you know you're trying to escape from a a crew that may or may not be able to chase you outside. Right. Speaking of escapes, um, ships are naturally a way to get away from things. And so if you're looking for a good MacGuffin, the quest to get to a ship or, you know, any way out of any danger is, it's a classic because it encompasses so many different stories. I, this might be an old broken down VW bus that you need to repair and get working before the zombies come. This could be, you know, uh, trying to negotiate passage on a ship or get to a ship before your political rivals find you or before the revolution really breaks out in your city. Um, it might be you're trying to outrun aliens and trying to get to your spaceship. Whatever it is, the quest to get to safety, safety being represented by a ship you can get on and leave this horrible place behind in, there's a lot that can happen there. Um, I, we really can't go into too much detail on this because it fits every possible genre. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. What's your next one? Uh, this next one, I think this one would, you know, we've been talking about broad stuff. I think this one does fit mostly with sci-fi, but I do think that if you did enough little working and tweaking, especially if you're dealing with some kind of mixture, uh, like, like a Numenera setting or uh, maybe even like a Warhammer 40K, where you have that, that mixture of stuff, of science and magic and the unknown, you could probably mm-hmm. pull it off, but it, it generally is sci-fi. Uh, I had this idea of a spaceship that is actually steered by plugging the pilot directly into the system, where the pilot is no longer even necessarily thinking, it is going literally on instantaneous instinct. And suddenly, in the middle of a demonstration, the ship flies off, just destroying everything in its path. And you have to ask yourself at that point, is it the pilot telling the ship to do that, or has the ship itself somehow become aware? Yeah. This would actually work in fantasy in anything that's kind of your high fantasy Magitech kind of setting as well. I'm thinking Eberron. Eberron, yeah. Right? You know, your airship goes away. Well, what happened to it? And let's go get it back. Right. Yeah. Speaking of ships that you know, you need to find or keep hidden and answer questions about. That's uh, a bit of a stretch, but you know what? I'm just going to roll with it. Roll with it. Do it. Alien ships, uh, specifically ships that don't belong to you that you need to keep hidden or that need to be revealed for some particular reason. Uh, in this case, it's being hidden from the public or from people chasing it, and you need to keep it away from the people trying to find it. Uh, This could be something as simple as you have boarded a ship and are trying to evade detection. This could be a something like a a Roswell mythos, you know, ship, you know, an alien craft crash lands and you're trying to keep it away from prying eyes so you can take it apart and learn all of its technology and that sort of thing. Uh, Maybe it's an alien ship that's come down and its alien masters are trying to recover it, and you need to keep it hidden so that you can study it. All sorts of possibilities here, but it may be that you're the ones trying to keep it lost rather than trying to figure out where it is. And by you, I mean your protagonists. What's your next one? My next one, I'm not going to lie, 
part of this is like if I took an old the things I loved about old Final Fantasy games and ki- just cooked it up exponentially, and I especially have this this feeling almost like like steampunk and alternate history kind of stuff. This idea that uh, before this, before the technology we have, they had already developed all these crazy technologies, but they kind of just fell out of out of the the common sight either because that society crumbled or something else but there 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 are still these old pieces of amazing technology that are still out there so i had this idea that uh there are rumors and legends of an old race whether it's people that uh, just a previous grouping of of humans if you want to go if you're talking about sci-fi or fantasy or, or something from another planet or another dimension or whatever, however you want to break it down. But there used to be this group of people, and they had mastered air travel and had developed a ship about the size of a continent. It was designed to be the thing that saves them from whatever ruin ended their society. But it never got off the ground. And so suddenly, whether, you know, you could actually bring it that you need it because the current society is dealing with that or it's just simply adventure trying to find this thing this modern marvel and uh just wondering how you can hide something that large yeah i like it um it works very well in a magic sort of setting where you've got you say lots and lots of airships and you're trying to track this thing down that's hidden in some far corner of the sky as it were yeah, no, uh, there's there's plenty of different options that you can do with it. Yeah. Anytime you're dealing with either either high technology or like I like I said, when I envisioned it, I envisioned it all like hardcore steampunk. Like taking this this all sorts of propellers and gears and magnets and all this stuff that drives that kind of what if they had this technology back then kind of mindset and just kicking it up exponentially. Sure. A uh, good version of Atlantis as well, yeah. right? The, yeah. I- the island didn't disappear, it took flight. Yeah. Or it sunk on the bottom of the sea and, and you have what to really happened it. was that, well, what really happened was that it crashed, it crashed into the ocean. Yeah. yeah. No, there's there's some good possibilities there. I've actually got a, um, a homebrew fantasy setting that I've played around with off and on trying to make something happen with. That has something sort of similar, things that might work in that setting. So, yeah, I'll have to play around with that. You know, try and revive that, right? Absolutely. Take, my own, take our own advice. <laughs> All right, so my next one, and this switches it around a little bit. What happens when a previously lost ship suddenly, suddenly shows up? All sorts of craziness. That's the answer. This is everything from your classic ghost ship you know, your your ship that's sailing on its own and, you know, was lost at sea, but sailors see it and it means horrible things or it attacks ships, uh, you know, pirates, you know, flying Dutchman style, you know, whatever, um, to a ship that was in transit, got lost, everybody rode it off, and then much later, it suddenly shows up and now you have to handle that. This is less of a MacGuffin, you found the ship, and it's more a uh, a general plot idea of what happens when suddenly these people a little bit out of time, whether because they have genuinely lost time through some weird space-time nonsense or they've just been sailing for a very long time and have finally reached their destination months or years late, 
what happens to them and the people who are there now. Uh, there's a lot that you can hap- that can happen with that because all of these old debts need to be paid up. People who have written dead family members out of their lives suddenly have to adapt to them being back. People have to figure out where all their property got sold off to, where what they're going to do now. All sorts of craziness and, to a certain degree, tragedy can happen. And that is rife with plot. And that's what we want. Yeah. All right, your next one. My last one kind of, I don't know, it, it's similar, but it kind of expands on that. I had the idea of an infamous pirate ship, an infamous pirate vessel with a with a captain that has just the same kind of reputation. It's the kind of thing that no matter where you're traveling, you know of that ship, whether they're in your area or not. You you know, every once in a while you turn your head just to make sure that that ship isn't following you. What happens is is that eventually that ship just disappears. And you know, most people just figure out, you know, oh, he must have retired or he's somewhere on some you know, island somewhere drinking uh, lovely little flowery drinks as some beautiful woman fans him with palm fronds or whatever. But then out of nowhere, decades later, long after this guy is probably dead, the ship reappears and starts attacking ships off the coast. Going back to the old haunts. Has the captain come back? Or, you know, is somebody else... uh, piloting it of what like like the idea of yeah of what a scam where it's not really that ship but they're kind of playing it up to up the fear factor a little exactly is this a dread pirate roberts kind of setting i like it there's a lot you can do with that there's a lot you can do with bringing up its old history and thing like things like that really all of these give you an opportunity to look back in your setting and say so this happened and this happened and then this ship was lost or was launched or what have you and lets you define a little bit of the backstory of your world to bring a piece of that into the present one way or another exactly one thing that i even was just here talking to somebody earlier today about the fact that what made tolkien's storytelling so fantastic was not his gift as a storyteller i'm going to tell you this much i love tolkien's stories but the man didn't know how to write an ending and you could definitely tell he was not the best writer no he really wasn't he was brilliant in what he did and part of why he he was so brilliant and why i will still say he's well worth reading even though i can identify some weaknesses in the writing is because of the fact that he knew how to build a world with legends and history that to this day we still don't know all the history because he's he wrote and developed so much that he never had a chance to even put it in a book (laughs) So the idea of developing these legends and folk tales and and the kind of ghost stories that develop, whether they're actual ghosts or not, just the, this ghost story of the, the black ship upon the the seas, like that that adds so much color and so much character to your story. Yep. All right. So my last one is a suggestion that we flip the script here a bit and have your point of view characters, probably your protagonists. On the lost ship itself. This, of course, can be everything from your classic we're lost, we need to get unlost story to a basically looking at, you know, say a a diary or journal left behind by someone on the ship or a point of view character that you cut to on the ship while your protagonists, who, of course, don't have that omniscient perspective, 
uh, are looking for the ship. You're writing bits about what they have just discovered, things like that. Um, but give a point of view from the perspective of people on that and their search to their attempts to get found. Uh, it, it's powerful. It's a good way to write, I think, a story like this because you're you're giving a more human perspective of the cost of that lost ship. It's not just a treasure. It's a tragedy and a wrong that is, to some degree, being righted by your protagonists. Yeah, there's definitely a lot to work with here. And these are just scratching the surface. I mean, you could literally put together a podcast like this for seafaring vessels for uh spaceships for airships like oh yeah we're probably coming back at some point and doing boats too or something <laughs> the like re-boating. that you know no i'm not gonna let you do that <laughs> but you know we'll do something we'll, we'll, we'll right. figure it out yeah so a couple of books and other media that do this pretty well uh you know, some honorable mentions as it were uh, my first one is Jack McDevitt's Seeker, and really most things by Jack McDevitt. If you're not familiar with him, he writes what I can only describe as space archaeology. Mm-hmm. It's uh, sci-fi set in a fairly distant future with a long history of lost ships and artifacts and events that people don't really know the truth of. Very human world. And, or very human setting, I should say. And so his characters are often archaeologists or people trying to study lost alien ruins and that sort of thing. And in Seeker, uh, it's a pair of characters searching for traces of long-lost colony vessels. Uh, it's very, very good, and I highly recommend most of what he writes. If you like sci-fi that is not especially action-packed, it's a, a little bit Arthur C. Clarke-like, I would say. Well, as, as far as a book, I, I thought of one. I, I heard it referenced once, and I actually looked into it a little bit more. I haven't had a chance to fully get into it. I haven't had a chance to finish this book. But there's a, mm-hmm. a title called Ship of the Damned by James David. And it it has it actually has two ships that end up being lost. The first one comes back, and they actually find it. But when they do, the crew is either dead insane or even even in the worst instances like they've they've actually had their bodies fused into the ship like this terrible awful stuff has happened while they were gone but everyone is so is either like i said dead or so just traumatized that they can't say what happened now all of a sudden a new ship is lost in a similar kind of way and the characters have to go and chase after it because not only is it you know, a mystery worth solving as to what the heck happened, but this this new vessel that has has kind of taken off actually is is nuclear powered, and so there's this whole other element of what to do about that. It's well worth a read. Nice. Uh, a couple other things to keep an eye on that have uh, stories like this and elements like this. Pitch Black is a very popular, well known movie. I think most of us know that one. Uh, if you don't, you should take some time to watch Pitch Black. I don't go in for horror and jump scares, and this is not too jump scare-like, I would say, uh, but it's very, very good. Yeah, I, I know a lot of people that run really hot and cold with Pitch Black, but I, I agree with you. I'm one who really enjoys that movie. 
Yeah. In fairness, I have a terrible weakness for the Chronicles of Riddick. It's a personal failing. <laughs> and, you know, that probably helps, but there we are. The more I've found out about Vin Diesel, the more I want to just back everything that man does. I just want more Riddick. There you go. Uh, yeah. I kind of went in the in another movie that is kind of out there. It, it's not great, and I don't know a lot of people who would say that this is their favorite movie. But I think it really does a good job of making this lost in the middle of nowhere ship into that MacGuffin, that driving force that drives the plot. And that's a movie called Event Horizon. Mm-hmm. The it's a, a little bit cheesy and and super over the top towards the end of the film. It's it's not a great movie, but it just does a, such a good job. The way it's filmed and the way it's uh, the the shots are set up and framed, it does such a good job of telling you that this ship ain't right, and that the ship itself almost becomes a character and a, a driving force throughout all of this movie as the other characters are dealing with it. This ship that was lost for so long and now is back. It does such a good job of doing that that I had to mention it. Fair enough. Uh, my last one, this is a classic that everybody really should read whether you're a sci-fi fan or not, Rendezvous with Rama. This is an Arthur C. Clarke book. It is a classic. It is the only one I can think of off the top of my head to win the Hugo, the Nebula, and whatever the third big sci-fi award is. I should know these, but I can't think of it off the top of my head. It is a remarkable piece of science fiction, and I recommend it to everybody. My wife does not like science fiction. She loved this book, listening to it on the, our uh, a long drive that we did. We did an audiobook version of it. Go get it. Go read it. You will be better for it. Do not read the sequels. They're terrible. Uh, he, Clark barely wrote them. They kind of slapped his name on there and had someone else write space opera follow-ups to him. The first one is classic speculative fiction that is just remarkable. All right, and mine, I can't even pick just one. Like, I think most of the stories in this series have some element of something being lost or or some people on this lost vessel or some... It's aliens. Just all of them. Just all of the alien movies. <laughs> all of the aliens. It, it starts off with, you know, they find the facehuggers in this... this ship there's i mean literally every movie has some decrepit hulk or somebody coming back from a salvage run or or these guys are are stuck on this planet and every one of them has some element of this what we're saying is leyland wutani cannot build ships for the life of them no not even kind of (laughs) but they try they try and they fail so many times yep but no, it's it's a good choice. I like it. All right. So that's it from us. Hopefully this has helped inspire you, give you a couple of things to think about. As always, we want to hear your thoughts, your suggestions, your story seeds. We always want to hear your ideas for future MacGuffins and MacGuffin categories. So post those in our comments or send them to us on social media. Mike, give us a rundown of those. 
Uh, social media, you can find us at, at Inroads uh, on Twitter. You can also find uh, Inroads Ministries uh, on Facebook. If you just search for Inroads Ministries, you'll find us. Uh, we also have the Tavern, which is facebook.com slash groups slash game store profits. I know we're kind of cross-pollinating with the podcast there, but that is our place to hang out across all the different groups and various things that the ministry touches. Uh, it's just a great place where a lot of different people can come and hang out. Exactly. So, from all of us here at Inroads Ministry, Saving the Game and Game Store Profits, have a good one, write well, and we'll catch you next time. The MacGuffin Factory is produced by Inroads Ministries under a Creative Commons share-alike, non-commercial license. Find more MacGuffin Factory episodes and other great podcasts and articles on the web at inroadsministries.com. Our intro and outro music is Wyvern by Ray Rude used under license and available at freemusicarchive.org. Find more of Ray Rude's music at needledrop.co. And remember, no matter the setting, no matter the medium, we all tell our stories together. So make them worth the telling.